0: Fungus, bee, bee, fungus, bee, Good evening. It is the 2nd of May at 10:15 p.m. This has got to be one of the latest podcasts that I've done. And um But I did promise my daily podcast, and I haven't done my daily walk yet today. So I woke up, I made a coffee, and I'm out in the middle of the night walking alone. So how are you guys doing? Did you miss me? I gave you the public service announcement. I said this will be late. We will be delayed. <sighs> I try and keep my promises, and uh, we're are approaching a daily delivery every day now for a year. And if we break it, it'll be like breaking a mirror. It could give seven years bad luck. Well, in any case. So I'll give you what happened today. I was corresponding with two other podcasters. Arrow (coughs) who goes for a walk in Charlotte, North Carolina, in Billy Graham's forests. And he says that the forest is speaking through him or something. See, they're not my words, they're the words of the forest. Of Billy's forests. I was like, who's Billy's forest? And he said, it's Billy Graham's forest. <clears throat> and then, uh, I corresponded with the guy from with nothing to say. And I complimented him on his great episodes that his uh, podcast has been very entertaining and interesting with his movie reviews, so I have to say, I'm now moving into the next phase of what our work on prime number visualization, where we have the coordinate function to place individual numbers on a three-dimensional grid that encodes their prime factors. And now I want to animate this and show for each number a camera that is shined on it that shines on it and i'm working on the camera positions we have to calculate the camera angle the lens um, the diameter of the lens which direction the lens is pointing at so the angle of the camera the position of the camera you um, have other things like the depth, and uh, it's quite interesting. So I've been playing with that this morning, looking at different algorithms. And it definitely can be calculated. Um, it can definitely be calculated um, with simple math functions as well. Now the standard stuff I found on the internet of how to calculate the optimal camera position... involves a quaternion which is a four-dimensional point that was considered to be completely useless um, there was a big debate over it when it was invented and it turns out to be just perfect for calculating rotations in three-dimensional space and transformations But I don't have it all working yet, to my satisfaction. I mean, it's working a little bit. But I thought it was just interesting to share that we've moved away from the actual subject and now we're getting into how that subject becomes an object of attention and how we're framing shots these shots um, will be composed, so we're turning the numbers into views, sequential views, so I thought that was kind of neat. and we'll use that later for doing other um, animations. Also I found that you can create a line as a simple mesh between two points in Blender You can even wire it. So if you move, the, you can wire it to be attached to two numbers or two objects, rig it. So if you move the object, it'll, the line will move as well. So there's some interesting stuff we can do there. I'm really starting to learn Blender and get comfortable with it I never thought it would be possible because it's such a painful tool and i tried so many times but if there's one thing that this study of mathematics and the prime numbers has shown me one, you have a special part of the brain that has to be activated and used and second of all you need extreme amounts of focus because of the huge amounts of numbers and possibilities. So it's been a great experience for me to work on this and to inter- document it with you. There's other things going on in my life, nothing. Nothing, uh... Amazing. But stuff I don't necessarily want to share. Well, we went to Newtown for breakfast. Newtown is in Pennsylvania. It's one of these hip... Old, uh, Hip places. And the whole town is like a museum. And, um... I have to say... That the, um, the town itself was very much not diverse at all. It was very much a monoculture. Leave, leave it at that. And then we um, went home. And uh (coughs) we went out, I took my son to well we took my son to the playground and we brought our camping chairs and put them in the shade and it was one of the best camping experiences I've ever had, not camping, but playground experiences I've ever had in a long time. Having your own seats. I brought a book. And my notes, but I talked to my wife the whole time. We didn't actually read my book. But we had a very comfortable seat. We had drinks. And we sat there in the shade comfortably and watched the kid play. And it was great for everybody. And then after that, well, I got some new shoes. Which I'm wearing right now. They're not combat boots. They are hiking shoes from Nike, actually. Or Adidas. They were on reduction. There's this place called Designer Shoe Warehouse. Before we went there, we went to one of these mountain sports supplies. And I go in. And I'm looking. And I find these. I go to the reduction place. And I look at these shoes. I go to sit down. To put them on. And this girl. Who is hyper skinny. And has had super short hair. Comes up to me. And tells me that I can't sit there. And try the shoes on. That I have to reserve my spot. Um. In line. To try shoes on. And I said well. I don't know what you mean. Where is it? And then she walks me all the way around. It says I could sit here to try the shoes on. And at this point, I say to my wife, let's go. And she's like, no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna reserve our spot in line. So we're waiting there for ten minutes, and the person is trying one shoe on, the next shoe on, and they only let in three people and you have to wait for them to try on every single shoe. And I said, let's go. Let's get out of here. And um, I said, I don't feel like being uh, led around like an animal in a slaughterhouse. Plus the shoes were super expensive. And they didn't have the stacks. So we go over to the designer shoe warehouse and they just have stacks of shoes and everyone's going crazy and trying them on and whatever. No one is there to help or lead you. They just basically ignore you. And um, it was great. So I got new shoes because the other ones I got from Walmart were literally falling apart. I walk them to death and it has not been like the bottom part was separating from the top part. The actual sole of the shoe was coming off. I guess I could glue it. Maybe I should. So that's what happens on the stream of random. We have gone through one. My original sneakers, then the new shoes that I got, then a pair of Wolverine work boots, leather work boots, where I literally wore the, a hole through the bottom of the shoe, and now a pair of hiking boots from Walmart so I don't want to hear any complaints from people about my carbon footprint especially people who run their lawnmower all day long burning gas and drive around pick-em-up trucks because more people who are alive and complaining about other people. The only way you can really reduce your carbon footprint is to check out from this planet because that will uh, reduce your carbon emissions greatly. So I'll tell you what I learned about Blender so far. So, first of all, you have an arbitrary set of collections where you can group objects that you create into a directory or hierarchy system. So I started using those for different types of objects. And the objects that I'm working with are, I've I've got a camera you can have multiple cameras and switch between them you have a um, light source which is I have a Sun and you can choose the color of the Sun and intensity I made it yellow and not super strong I put it near the zero axis You can also see how many times the light will bounce, because it does ray tracing. Then you've got, um, well I stopped using the template balls and lines, I'm constructing all the text from scratch now. So then I have my set of numbers, which is a collection, and those are text objects. And then I have the factors that I create, which is the coordinates of the prime factors that I put underneath the the number itself. And then that makes up a scene where you position the camera at a certain position and you rotate it at a certain angle in three dimensional space. And then you have a focal length or lens width. So when you create a key frame In animation basically you create a set of keyframes so that's how many frames of element the animation you want and the keyframe will capture certain attributes of your model at a certain point in time so you tell it what object and what attribute to capture So, after creating the number of keyframes, you then say, for the camera object, add the camera object's location to the keyframe after I've moved it, and the rotation, add that to the keyframe. So that when you replay it, it will transition there and change it. And I guess if you... If you give it time between the keyframes, if you have more than one second, it will uh, interpolate them. It'll create a transition effect between those parameters. So pan or zoom with the camera, I think, maybe. Just starting to play with that. And so that's how you can create animations by changing the attributes of objects and setting them up as keyframes. That introduces the fourth dimension of time. So now we're going to get into cam- um, the study of the camera thinking about the viewer and um, obviously we want to have each number in the in the foreground and have the number rotated in such a way that you can see it and the rest of the numbers also rotated towards you. So I'm hoping we don't have to change the rotation of the numbers between frames. you can you can generate the camera positions and then you can go back and manually edit them as well and tweak them but I'm trying to get it to do it right from the beginning Was driving a pickup truck, a tow truck, or is it a taxi? Okay, so those are my basic updates for today, I could go into more detail if you want. I just think it's um an interesting philosophical thing to see now how we're moving away from We're moving away from the object or the subject. And um once we have the video, then we can also do like a voiceover. Is that a raccoon? crossing the road in front of me. Or a cat or a skunk. We go on the other side of the road. Definitely don't want to encounter a skunk at this time of night. So, we're going to get into individual frames, and each part of the podcast, each second, could be associated with a time stamp, and the audio could be overlaid onto a video sequence. So, we could generate a video based on what we're talking about. Or alternatively we could talk about what's going on in the video which I think is what most people do they generate the video and then narrate it but there's some connection between the two where the positions on the screen are dictated by the code, and the code is what we're discussing here on this podcast. The algos or the relationships Now yesterday's episode number was a very complicated prime number with all types of attributes. I put some of stuff from Wikipedia in the um, description. They're talking about Einsteinian primes or whatever. There's all these different attributes that we haven't even looked at. There's so much more in terms of number relationships. And 300's on the list of the first thousand numbers. So there's more relationships in these numbers than that we're going to be able to describe. And also in terms of the layout, layout is definitely skewed out because it becomes very sparse so we have definitely a long tail and it's kind of the logarithmic function that we see the number of gaps between primes the count of primes at a certain number kind of matches logarithm so I started looking at what is the Euler number today and what are the how to define the transcendental numbers. And the question is, can you algebraically reduce them to zero? And they proved that the number E cannot be reduced to zero. And he also said that E was known for 500 years, and it's not necessarily Euler. And it's one over um, K or N <coughs> factorial, or in every step, you're um, doing one over something factorial. So if we think about that, the factorial for every single number is that number times the number before, times the number before it. number of times so that's pretty crazy and then one over that so that's basically the relationship between the number And it's got a relationship to all the numbers. For each number that came before it, it's the relationship of that number to all the other numbers at that level. So for every step, you're adding in another entire slice of. Multiplying it, so you're taking in the relationship between every new number and every other number. One over is just a relationship inverse, meaning the influence gets smaller for every one, every new number, the influence gets gets that much smaller. we look at the prime factors of the n factorial if every number we've reduced down to factorials, the factors. So 2 is just 2 to the 1, and 3 is 3 to the 1. You multiply them by each other. It's 2 times 3 to the 1. And 4 is 2 to the 2nd multiplied by 2 times 3 to the 1. 2 times 3, multiplied by 2. So 2 to the 2nd, 2 to the 3rd, 2 to the 4th. So we're just going to be adding in, it's basically summing up factors as we go which is kind of what I did before summing up all the prime factors 500 some some twos So I guess that's gonna create a sphere of some kind. You do one over, it's gonna create a small, smaller and smaller item. So we can go from the sum of all the factors across all the numbers. imagining that actually being multiplied out it will be humongous two to the five hundredth times three to the three hundredths right times four to the well not four five to the two hundredths seven to the one hundredths and it will keep on going down until we get in all those, that huge long tail of, you know, 900 and something to the first. We talked about this, um, the distribution of the prime factors across all of the first thousand numbers. which is basically gonna be the factorial and one over that is just the inverse, the smaller number. We just take a thousand and say it's got five hundred divided by two, it's five hundred. Let's look at the 2's for now. So 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, that's 5, 64, 128, 256, 512, 1000, that's 10, that's 2 to the 10th. So 2 to the 10th is 1000, let's just say 128, right? those numbers are even. So if we multiply and then add up, add up, not multiply out, but add up. Well, we start with two. then 2 times 3. Now if we add 2 plus 2 times, you're basically adding the 2 to the 6, like well, you're taking the 2 times 6 is 12, and then you're adding in the 2 that gives you 14. So that's the first two two fa- three factorial is fourteen well it's not three, it's the Euler number look at this deer just standing here looking at me stupid like i don't see it about 10 feet away yeah i moved here and that's a big old one. What I'm trying to get at here, kids, is that we're not just adding up all the factor all the factors. The way I created a running sum of them. Because the running sum It's doing the 1 over that running sum plus the next one for every number so it'll be 1 over 2 times 1 1 over 1 is 1 that's easy plus over 2 so that's 1 half so we 1 plus 1 half plus and then the 3 is 14 we said which is 2 times 3 times 2 Three factorial. Was it just three times two? No, the factorial is three times two, which is six. I got that wrong it is just six one over six and the other one is one over two the next one is four times three times two Six is twenty-four. One over twenty-four. So the Euler number is gonna be one plus one half plus one sixth plus one twenty-fourth. And then you take twenty-four times it by five. so it's going to be 1 120th and that factor is just going to get smaller and smaller by multiplying it every time by the next number and then adding it to the previous one That has to do with the logarithm as well. How it's getting ever slightly bigger, but in smaller and smaller increments. And eventually that's the number E. Pretty crazy how these infinite sequences can diverge on a constant. But that's the beauty of math. How you can turn an infinity into a constant number that just gets smaller and smaller. And uh, you don't even need all those digits. And that's also how the slide rule works. Because once you know the e, you can multiply or divide your number by e, or, or you've raised e to a certain exponent to give you a number. Of natural logarithm, and I guess it contains every every number somehow in it in a smaller compressed state. So I guess we could calculate it as the running sum of all the numbers, which is every number times every number. So that's the k exponent, and that's what the number that we are calculating. And if we just take that and do one over it, and add it to the previous one, that'll give us our running logarithm, so we don't need to calculate log A. that'll give us our y coordinate, won't it? we could use that for scaling also scaling those big primes down somehow we have one for column <laughs> I'm assuming that never get as many twos as anything else, that much is clear. It's just crazy how they came up with this number. And it's such a powerful number, and they prove that you cannot. Um, I fell asleep listening to the proof. But they prove that you cannot construct E algebraically. that's just because it's infinite because you always have another remnant left over when you add in the next digit But I like I like how we can do um, I like how we could do the one over bit. doing the sum of 1 over n or n is increasingly humongous just means we're going to be shifting the decimal points out more and more and tweaking smaller and smaller bits of the equation so first you start out with the one and then you have the one-half and then you have the one and one-half I need to actually look this up, what the actual value of E is again, so I'm not talking total shit here. is the Euler number. It's approximately equal to 2.71828. It's the sum of the infinite series. base of the natural logarithm, and it's, divided, its limit is 1 plus 1 divided by n, raised to the power of n. 1 plus 1 divided by n. 1, 2.7 minus 1. We'll give the 1.7. Yeah. It's 1 plus 1 over 1 plus times 2. Okay, so I skipped a 1. That's how we got the 2. Because 0 factorial... Okay, so by its definition the factorial of 0 is 1 and the factorial of 1 is 1 Okay, so we have an extra one that slips in there, in the beginning. 1 plus 1 over 1 plus 1 over 2 plus 1 over 2 times 3. 2 times 3 times 4, etc. So each of those, pl- the infinite series. The infinite sum of sums. thinking compounding interest, just thinking about home interest rates. Oh my God. Yeah, so we're definitely getting close to this. We're getting close to the idea of over addition is something we haven't really thought about yet not deeply so just adding up the prime factors will give you Factorial. Now, one over that factorial could be seen. one over each part, if I have one over one half, times one over one-third, isn't that the commutative law of some kind? a relationship calculated that yesterday one-half plus one-third or one-half times one-third and then adding those together Create anything like a multiplication. Because you're adding the same thing over and over again, which is effectively multiplying. Because that 2, that 1 half is going to be constantly multiplied out and added in. Okay. Well, that's it for today, kids. We're home. i It's been one hour. Talk to you tomorrow. Feed the fungus. Feed, feed the fungus. Feed the fungus. Feed the fungus. Feed the fungus. Feed, feed the fungus. the fun game.